Welcome into the Bears Illustrated podcast, presented to you by BearsIllustrated.com, your home for Baylor athletics and recruiting on 24-7 sports. I'm Pranay Malampati, and we have an awesome guest here that I'm going to interview today. We're bringing on Ben Criddle, who covers BYU sports, including BYU football, and is the host of ESPN Radio for BYU. Thanks for coming on, Ben. Hey, thanks for having me, Pranay. Appreciate you spending some time with me. Of course. And I think it's, uh, it's great timing here because obviously BYU will be coming to the Big 12 in one season and Baylor is going to Provo this year to finish that home and home and, and uh, BYU is going to try to get revenge for last year's loss to Baylor. So <laughs> that's what I want to start out with. Since it's so early in the season, what do you think of this BYU-Baylor matchup this year and the potential ramifications it could have in the college football playoff picture? Yeah, I mean, just in general, I think these are both fantastic teams um, built by and architected by fantastic uh, men of faith. Uh, Dave Aranda has connections with Kalani and and his, uh, you know, the coaching tree. They were down at SUU together, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And, and they kind of came up with Gary Anderson up to the University of Utah. Um, and uh, so they have there's some connections there between the, the coaching staffs as well. Jeff Grimes, who we're a big fan of here at BYU. Jeff was one of my coaches while I was at BYU um, in 05 and 06. He was our offensive line coach, so I have a great deal of respect for Jeff Grimes, and I was elated when uh, Jeff came back and was able to become an offensive coordinator. I know uh, he had great success at BYU, which has led him to Baylor, which I think he's uh, – uh, I mean, he, he kind of shocked the world even last year with just how prolific – prolific and efficient his offense was love Eric Mateos no uh, there's not an offensive line coach in the country that um, is um, is as passionate about his craft and and it has a deep love for football uh, more so than than Eric Mateos so uh, I love the matchup for a number of reasons on uh, on the football side both teams have uh, have have created, I think, a culture of toughness and grittiness uh, and, uh, and and violence along the offensive line, right, and, and winning the trenches. So um, last year, Baylor won the, the, the line of scrimmage, right, with their wide zone scheme. And, and BYU wasn't athletic enough, too, to a certain degree, um, to, um, to beat – your, your particular running back last year to the edge and kept on getting the edge and, and dominating the, the, the line of scrimmage uh, did Baylor. So uh, I, I think this year is going to be another battle at the line of scrimmage. And uh, even though Baylor was essentially in control of the game last year, it was still a, a tough, hard-fought battle. I thought it was a, not necessarily equally matched, but I felt that, um, you know, there were some similarities in, like, in skill sets and um, – and, uh, and and the type of players that both both squads have, uh, I, well, you know, going back to last year, I, I felt like I, I was I, I think Baylor was go back and watch the film. I think they were impressed with BYU's offense in the sense that you know Jaron's athletic ability, Jaron Hall's athletic ability, be able to maybe um, you know uh, keep on some zone reads and, 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 and show his athletic ability. So I think there was a surprise there. And then also they played a lot of man versus BYU's wide receivers thinking, Hey, our athletes should be able to match up with BYU's athletes. And, you know, time and time again, it seemed like BYU was able to get a few chunk yardage plays through the air. So um, BYU is going to need to do that again this year 
um, if Baylor goes that route, which I think they will. They're like, hey, you know, we believe in our offense. We believe in what we can do as far as uh, maybe owning the time of possession and, and executing our scheme and, and being able to score points. A lot of returning talent from Baylor. And, uh, and the question is, will BYU's defense – uh, be actually able to stymie that that offense and be able to uh, match the physicality and violence on their side. Because last year, we had a lot of injuries going into Baylor. Uh, BYU has had a transition during independence, which has been great. More P5 programs, uh, more highly ranked programs that they're facing. And they've been building their depth through recruiting and their strength conditioning programs and, and their walk-on program. And, so, and then even in the transfer portal too, so they're, you know, one, two, and, you know, in some positions, three deep is uh, much healthier now than what it's uh, been in years past. But last year they went into Baylor somewhat defensively um, just uh, weak um, in su- certain positions. And you would see one guy out of the 11 defensive players just not execute an assignment, not be able to kind of hold the edge or, or get off a block and, you know, and, and, and lo and behold, a chunk yardage play would, would occur, right? So uh, I think that there is a bit of a chip on the shoulder of, of, of BYU, right? Uh, they, that was one of their few losses last year. Um, the UAB game really hurt, but you don't get to face UAB again. You don't get to have that revenge game. So I, I would say the, the Baylor game has definitely been circled for some of the players. I don't know if that's, you know, coming from, I don't think it's necessarily coming from my coaches like, oh, yeah, we, we got Baylor circle, but it's a big time game. I think they're trying to focus on the one game at a time. BYU doesn't travel well to the East Coast, like their record going out to the East and, you know, playing in Florida. They lost to USF last time in 2019. BYU is a much better team than USF, but that travel time, the heat, the humidity, everyone's cramping up. Um, so they got to kind of focus on that one first. But I, I think there is a kind of a motivation and an opportunity for, um, you know, for, for BYU's football team to kind of shock the world, if you will, if they were to knock off Baylor. And um, even though I think everyone has, you know, Baylor probably has um, a much more, a, a much stronger belief system right now internally that they can make it into the, the, the college football playoff. BYU's still on the outside looking in is, is in that regard as an independent, even though they're P5 in 2023, they're not in the, good old boys club next they're kind of the new kid on the block if you will so if they were to win out second question would they be in the conversation of the college football playoff since he did it last year as a g5 so it's possible right but i don't think there's any byu fans out there that are like yeah like if we're if we're undefeated we're definitely getting in the college football playoff and and this baylor game is just one step in 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 12 to to get there you cross your fingers and hope for the best. BYU did it, shocked the world in 84. It's a long time ago, right? Long time long ago. Time ago. Uh, a lot of things have to happen. Like that 84 season, I talked to a lot of the guys from that squad. They literally had no injuries to key positions, like zero. So imagine your team going through a rigorous schedule. And, and 84 wasn't all that rigorous, right? And that's what the pundits and the analysts say about it. It's like, well, did they actually deserve it? Um, and maybe they didn't, but everyone else lost, so they got it, and it was voted on by the media rather than a uh, arbitrary, you know, college football yeah. playoff committee, right, or a BCS computer system. So they got it. There was a human element involved. 
Uh, but uh, a lot of things have to happen correctly. So imagine if you can stay healthy. I mean, that's the name of the game with your, your entire roster essentially staying healthy at key positions. So um, it's going to be it's going to be a great game because I think both teams will ultimately go in healthy and it'll be a great matchup. And hopefully uh, if they're both ranked and I haven't looked at the comparable games that week, but there's an opportunity for college game day, possibly if both teams are highly ranked going into this game. Am I holding my breath on that? No, but you know, maybe it'll happen. It's a possibility if both teams are highly ranked and have a good first week and maybe it's, it becomes a very highly marketable game. Yeah, definitely can't count it out considering Texas Alabama got the morning game and Baylor BYU is the night game. So I don't know. It could happen. Uh, I don't. I don't know if it would. Most likely, it's not. But uh, at least it could be like featured. You know, I mean, it's going to be talked about a lot that week. Both team win. Both teams win that first week. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I personally think that the winner of that game is going to have a a really good shot to make the playoff just because of both of their schedules. Um, you guys have Notre Dame on the schedule. A couple other good teams. Yeah. Um, but I think I want to segue into this this next question of how how will BYU's transition to the Power Five? And you talked about this a little bit. Um, how will that transition help them going down the line? Like you mentioned, they're getting better at recruiting, better at the transfer portal. But then you have you have a coach like Jeff Grimes who came over from BYU to Baylor. And I'm sure part of that was because he wanted to come to a Power Five team. Um, so how will this transition to the Big 12 help BYU keep their coaches, keep getting better at recruiting, and then be a more consistent contender on the national stage. Well, to your point about Jeff, I mean, he got a pay raise. I mean, BYU, you know, I mean, if you look at their, if you pull up the U.S. Department of Education numbers, you can compare um, athletic department revenue and mm-hmm. uh, look at like a P&L statement there. I mean, you're, you're going to see Baylor in a much healthier state, right? And to be able to allocate resources, not only that, um, I think Baylor Every, every university, every institution of higher learning um, is, you know, you know, has a different culture as how they view what their perspective is on athletics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, some invest more heavily in athletics than others. So BYU, I still think is kind of figuring out how much they want to invest in athletics and how that's viewed from the outside. Like, you know, you have segments within every religious uh, you know, religious group that, you know, some may value athletics. If you use a, a private institution that is a, a church sponsored, you know, institution for the, it's the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So, um, you know, I think there's that, that figuring out phase of like, how much do we want to invest in, in athletics within BYU? Does that make sense? So I think grimy jumping over to Baylor, not only from a faith standpoint was a big deal because that is his faith. He's a, he's a Christian and he aligns with the university mission in that regard. And then it's hard to turn down a pay raise, but to your point about like entering into power five dumb and, and staying competitive and, and being able to um, hopefully transition and find success immediately. Um, I think BYU is in a better state what uh, maybe Utah was when Utah made the jump, you know, because, oh, okay. you, know, you know, so it's a comparable, right? So Utah had probably a similar recruiting base mm-hmm. um, to BYU when they made the jump, a little bit different, right? Because they don't have an honor code and they're, they're maybe their academic standards are a little bit different mm-hmm. than what BYU has. So maybe a little bit different in that regard, 
but they went five and seven, five and seven, and then, you know, finally got to a bowl game. I think BYU fans feel like independence has helped them prepare and hopefully they get to bowl eligibility um, mm-hmm. in their first year of the Big 12. And I think that would be kind of a baseline. If you can win six games, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in your 12-game schedule with your three non-conference, you're elated or you're, you're happy, right? Because we've never gone through a schedule like what we're going to go through when we jump into the Big 12. Um, so there's going to be adversity. I mean, you know, but I think the depth is, is solid right now. It's good enough to get in and, and really compete. Uh, but as you saw with BYU last year, when you got into UAB, I mean, you're starting your backup quarterback. Um, there was a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball. You had injuries on the offensive side of the ball as well. Um, uh, we, we tapped into like your, our third string right tackle and, you're looking at the offensive line, even though those were kids were good and those, they, they stepped up really well, but there was a, a ton of attrition and this game is a game of attrition. So it's all about depth, right? If you can have 123 guys that are all really good football players, you're, you're living the dream, your travel squad, if you have 70 guys that can really win football games for you and there's not much of a drop off, then, uh, then you can win a lot of football games. I remember, I don't know if you heard it after uh, the Alabama loss in the national championship, Saban said he ultimately, I mean, to a certain degree, he blamed his, his secondary. Yeah. Oh, okay. I heard him blame his receivers, his backup receivers. Oh yeah. Backup. Yeah. But he said, I think he talked about secondary and his backup receivers, right? You're right. Yeah. His backup, they just weren't ready. Right. Yeah, they weren't yeah. ready for that big of a moment. Mm-hmm. And so how do you get, your third string, second string guys ready for such a moment as that. Mm-hmm. It's hard, man. And, and, so, those, uh, and those are five-star guys. So yeah, it's yeah, so they be harder have, when it's – Play in the world, right? And the artisan himself, I think he would, he would speak to. He thinks he's a really good, even, uh, you know, really good coach. And, and, and he hires the best coaches, too, because they have an endless supply of money just a money, uh, you know, just a money factory there because Alabama institutionally, Alabama yeah. institutionally wants to win in football. Their, their business model, and I don't know how Baylor does it, but like if you view football as a marketing arm of your institution and you really believe it is going to drive more students to want to be a part of that winning way and, and you know, have that, that, that student experience there, that academic experience as well, there at that institution, it's going to increase enrollment. You can probably elevate your your tuition fees and mm. make more money as an institution. They, there's a number of different money funnels that come into these institutes of higher learning. I think Alabama is like, we're going to be great at football. It's our culture. Yeah. It's it's a part of our faith, right? Uh, to a certain yeah. degree, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's a part of our faith, right? Like in a Fair community, enough. and uh, and it, 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 and so like. And then, you know what, we have to make it sustainable. We want to be the best and we're competitive. And so we're going to invest in it. And it just keeps on rolling, man. It keeps on rolling. And they, they continue to do a great job. Uh, you know, Texas A&M, you know, paid some money. And, and you know, not even, money, yeah. yeah, well, not Texas A&M, you know, I mean, their donorship, right? Their fans were willing to get out there and, and, and pound the pavement a little bit and try to attract as many recruits as possible. Yeah, the boosters. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't think, you know, I don't think the coaching staff was, you know, I, I mean, you don't know what goes on behind closed doors, obviously, but I think that was driven by, mm-hmm. you know, the, the free market hand of capitalism as it pertains to name, image, and likeness and the donorship and the boosters were willing to go out there and get it. So 
I mean, he's experiencing some adversity right now, but, um, you know, going back to depth and that initial conversation, it's, uh, you know, that's the question with BYU. Can they stay healthy throughout the season? Or do they have enough depth to continue to compete in the Big 12 um, to get bowl eligible? If you can get to eight wins, like, I mean, that's, that's huge. But my expectation getting into the Big 12 is, um, you know, if you can go seven and five, six and six that first season, um, get your feet wet a little bit, hopefully attract some other recruits. You're going to, you, you should be able to tap in. Like if BYU, when BYU beat Texas, right, in 2013, 2014, that was, that was, those were big wins. Yeah. And, and Texas recruits started to say, oh, wow, who's BYU? Like, because they don't know anything about BYU. They know mm-hmm. Texas, Texas, and they know, shoot, they may even know North Texas more than they know BYU. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And they're not thinking they're thinking TCU, but thinking Baylor. There's a lot of good football in Texas. Texas. Tech, so yeah. yeah, tech. I mean, he's going down the list and it's like, well, before I go to BYU, I'd go to one of these other schools that they offered me. Right. But so the more per, from a national perspective and geographical perspective that BYU is viewed as either even or above those schools, um, then maybe you can tap into the talent of Texas. Maybe you can tap into the talent of Florida. We're heavily based in the greater Mountain West region, Arizona or Utah, Arizona, um, Idaho, Wyoming, California for a lot of skills, uh, skill guys. Uh, we've tapped into Texas in the past at times. Margin Hooks was a big, was a big, yeah, wide I, actually, I actually had him on the podcast earlier this so, year stud i mean yeah. really, one of the best receivers in BYU football history so you're like you're like wow like you know margin hooks uh you know if we can if, can we go find another margin hook? we got micah simon recently who was an acolyte or a student uh of, of of margins and uh micah's recently been in the nfl in camps and also in the cfl so you can get some of those guys uh, micah was a 1a state champion playing quarterback and we convert him to a wide receiver you start getting more of those guys where, you know, BYU traditionally has really good offensive line, pretty good defensive line, linebackers, really good quarterbacks. That's that's what they do. And then you kind of fill in tight ends, really, really good NFL guys. That's our core. Um, now you need to go find geographically and culturally places yeah. where you can tap into certain talented communities and talented players within those communities and bring them into BYU like, oh, I like BYU. Oh, yeah, same level of, of, of play. Um, they give me a platform to, to make it to the NFL and be developed. I get a good education. I'm around people of, uh, that, that are like-minded and have good core Christian values. That's, oh, I can, I can thrive there. Um, mm-hmm. I can build a really good network for long-term earning and sustainability, right? It's about the network that you create. One of the reasons why we go to college, yes, yeah, to build a skill set, but it's also to to get a network, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's kind of like who you know and who you're going to be interacting with and building, you know, brotherhoods and sisterhoods and things of that mm-hmm. nature so you can have long-term earning potential. So if, if BYU can do that, you know, I think, uh, you know, we, we can look at BYU, who has been in the last 50 years, if you look at wins in college football, the last 50 years, BYU is like eight in wins in college football. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It makes sense, though. You know what I mean? Like, granted, that's in the WAC, that's in the Mountain West, that's also during Independence. But for the last fifty years, they've been averaging eight wins a season. That's really you know? good. Yeah, which is hard to do, as you know. It's like you, you know, you look back, it's like 
that's 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 sustainability and that's because of kind of their their core core players that come up in like that that maybe even come up uh you know as BYU fans Latter-day Saints Mormon kids that just are hardworking diligent come from a good culture in the home stable homes that want to maximize their abilities and represent their faith and uh so they go to BYU and uh but then you then you bring in guys that 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 want to be and surrounded by that that type of culture and they thrive at BYU. So, yeah, I, I'm pretty optimistic. I'm pretty optimistic. I mean, but there's going to be adversity. <laughs> you're going to lose some football games. You're gonna, you're going to get injured, and you know, there's there's that's football, man. Football is. Uh, I love football because I think it's uh, pretty synonymous with our lives, right? We're going to face adversities. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs and undulations. Absolutely. I always tell the be. I always tell the BYU fans, I ask them like, well, are you, you know, are you in a, are you an 11 and two employee? Or are you more of like an eight and five employee? You're, you're, you know what I mean? Like, you <laughs> know, we funny. all have our ups and downs, right? Like we do. Happens. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But that, that culture point is a very important point. I think, I think that's a big reason that Baylor under Dave Aranda has built a great program so quickly. And a reason why a lot of schools that have success, have the success that they have. And both of our schools, Baylor and BYU, obviously have a culture based in their faith. Um, Baylor is Christian, and and BYU is is Mormon, which is an offshoot of Christianity, um, still based in Christ. So, do you think that will allow these two schools to have a special relationship when they're both in the Big Twelve and potentially have like a friendly type of rivalry based in that faith? hope so man i i hope that i mean my my hope is like i always try to build commonalities and build bridges like i i i mean i read books of like um like evangelicals and and mormons right like and try to find i read books on like the commonalities between the two faiths and cultures um shoot i i went to morocco uh summers ago and like the muslim faith and islam people are like wait you're trying to figure out commonalities like yeah like there's a lot of commonalities actually and um it, like just how dedicated they are and very um um they're kind of almost ritualistic in like the way that they approach certain things uh they have a law of health like halal mm -hmm. be, uh, you know a latter-day saints have the word of wisdom no drinking no smoking you know yeah. no tobacco and all these things right no coffee, so no tea yeah no coffee no tea um so you know that can be viewed as like oh you guys are weird it's like well it's, yeah it, it, you know it, it can be but like when you kind of understand like what you know what what they're trying to accomplish with the law of health they're like okay i get it just like you know jews also have a law of health too to a certain mm -hmm. degree some of it may seem archaic and like well why do you do that uh but uh you know you kind of understand the roots of it and the and the and the, and the basis for it but going back to you know that commonality between the face i was telling you kind of in the initiatory kind of greeting and salutations and things of that nature that like you know, in a world that is uh, changing rapidly, right? And it becomes more, it becomes even more secular and like, hey, like we don't need deity. We don't need God. We don't need Christ. We don't need these. We don't need the Bible. We don't need scripture. Like we have science. We have, uh, <laughs> we have uh, uh, everything that we need. We don't need to um, go back to this archaic moral like code that we're getting from 
prophets that are dead, so-called prophets that are dead, or or uh, a Christ, a uh, savior that is 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 no longer pertinent to uh, our day-to-day lives. Um, and uh, we've advanced farther than that. Like, I think it's imperative that we come together and yeah. find commonalities. And like, I mean, I remember going on a mission, right? I served a mission for my church. And, you know, I mean, I'd, I'd interact with evangelicals. And like, I, you know, at times, like the, we did find commonalities. And other times it was kind of like, um, you know, Mormons are like, to, they, I mean, they would say things like, you know, we believe that you are so know blind in your theology i'm like look i get it like we don't have to like come together perfectly with theological like um these theological details that may seem very important right to uh salvation and things like that but like let's talk culture like what do we want as far as fruits in our society we care about care about christ right we care Mm -hmm. about like aligning ourselves with christ and being forgiving and loving and charitable and uh, doing our best to emulate Christ, we care about family, right? Like, like mm-hmm. we care about that 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 center unit of society—a mother and a father raising children in Christ, raising children in Christ. Like, we care about those things. Like, we care about like aligning ourselves morally with the Scriptures, right? And uh, and yeah, doing exactly. those things. So, like, take away all these things that like really are so arbitrary, and they don't really they don't really matter in this terrestrial life. In, and like, in let's society, talk about yeah. In society, like we're trying to build a, a healthy society, like shoot, like, and we love football. We love sport. Yeah. Like we love coming together and embracing, you know, like I love different cultures. I was telling you, like one of my favorite things is study world religions and like finding commonalities in between those, those religions, because, you know, that's where it's at. Right. It's, it's, uh, I want to embrace those positive cultural fruits of other faiths that add truth and value to me. Like, I don't think I have all the truth of life. You kidding me? Like I'm learning. So like, I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to embrace, I'm trying to find truth in all walks of life. And uh, while still holding true to like those core values that I think provide a stable and happy and productive society. Right. Um, So that's what I, that's what my, my hope would, my kind of prayer would be in, in, in that regard. A lot of people think it's just football and big, you know, we're going to the big 12, we're going to do sports and stuff like that, but I'm excited to interact with different fan bases like, like Baylor's because I, I, I went in with my brother-in-law, we had a, we had a poker night. They do Texas Hold'em when we kind of get together and, um, and, and just have like a bunch of buddies come together. And like my brother-in-law who played basketball at BYU, he was like, we love going to Baylor. We love going to Waco. It was such an awesome experience. Why? I was like, well, why? You know, because I didn't get to go out this last time. And he said, uh, just they were so welcoming and so loving. And like, it was just, it was, it was great. And uh, it, it was just a wonderful environment to be out there because we felt, you know, we felt accepted. We felt like they, it was so congenial. And so, uh, you know, their arms were open to us. And uh, man, we, we better step up our game when they come to Provo and make sure that they feel welcome and loved and uh, that we're appreciative of their, of their tradition and sports and their tradition as an institution of higher learning. And, and that's, that's what you want, man. Like you want to celebrate and then you want to go out and you want to beat each other up and then shake hands at the end of the day and say, Hey, uh, you know, what a freaking great game. We got to compete and, uh, and, and, uh, and engage where we were at of how good we are in our particular passion, our particular sport. And then we move on and hopefully we do it at the end and we, we come together in prayer and we praise Christ and praise God. It's like, Hey, we got out of here with hopefully no injuries. 
and it was great entertainment for our fans. And, and then we move on to the next game and continue to compete. That's my hope. I loved everything you said there. And I think these are two of the nicest fan bases. So I, I hope as well that that's how it's going to play out. Um, but I think that's all the time that we have for today. The Zoom's about to close in a couple of minutes, but it was great having you on. That was really insightful. Um, and maybe, maybe we can chat again sometime. Yeah, I would love it, man. Yeah, anytime you want to chat, happy to do it. Like during the week, it's tough because – so I run a business. I own an orthopedic and sports medicine supply company, and then I have a BYU licensed apparel company, and then I do the ESPN stuff as a as kind of a more of a side hustle. Um, and so um, – and I I think it's the same for you. You Like it's kind of a passion, side passion. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a side passion. Uh, on, uh, as a fast – yeah, fast track to law. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I totally get that. And so – uh, yeah, man, I'm, I, anytime I'd love to be able to hop on and chat some ball with you guys and, and, and talk about whatever it is that's on the minds of uh, Baylor fans. Awesome. Sounds good. It was great having you on and, and thanks to everyone for listening. All right. Thanks, Brene. Appreciate you.